0: Well, I'd like to draw your attention to a little bulletin stuffer that you'll find in the bulletin. And it's uh, it's kind of short notice. I, I have yet to master the uh, art of scheduling everything perfectly and the perfect timing. But it's the best that uh, some priests and I could do. We, we wanted to do a kind of a parochial day of mercy. You know, Last Lent we had a diocesan-wide day of mercy where all the churches of the diocese uh, had a very extensive um, uh, confessional hours. And some priests and I <clears throat> wanted to do that, and the only time we could do it, would be, it was t- tomorrow. So it's short notice. Uh, but we're going to do just at a kind of a local level what we did last Lent at a, at a diocesan-wide level. So uh, I'm going to go to one priest's parish, another priest's going to come here. We're going to have Father uh, Peter Matola from St. John Evangelist and Spencerport, uh, who's going to be available to hear confessions from 1230, to 3.30 in Lyons and then from 4 to 7 in Clyde. And he'll probably, you know, it's common, it's common for him, for myself, and for all of us to go past that 7 o'clock mark. So, if you can't get there until 7.30, give it a shot. He, he, he might still be there. Very likely will be. So today I'd like to speak about the, the Sacrament of Reconciliation. It's a good idea to, uh, get a good confession in before Christmas time. And I'd like to speak about, uh, the sacrament in connection with Judgment Day, with the second coming of Christ. We see in our Gospel, John the Baptist preaching the coming of Jesus. And John's, uh, the way that he prepared for that was by preaching repentance, and the need for repentance. Um, also something, you know, what you see in, in John's baptism of repentance, it's, it's in form very similar actually to the sacrament of reconciliation as it would come to be celebrated in the Christian era Uh, Because when the people came to him, it says in our translation, they acknowledged their sins. But really, I I think a a kind of a more stricter or tighter or more literal translation is, and they were confessing their their sins. So um, we see them coming and part of this renewal. I mean, they were part of the people of God to begin with. So it wasn't like this was an initiation ceremony. Okay. Um, but it was a, a sort of a renewal that was taking place amongst the people of God, and it was involved with a very specific confession of particular sins. And we see that as well in in our sacrament of reconciliation that we celebrate, that Christ gave to us, left behind for us. Um, and uh, John the Baptist also, he preached repentance in light of the coming of Christ, and uh, uh, it was really his both... Christ's first coming and his second coming. Okay, so John, when he preached, he preached a lot about Jesus' incoming in connection with Judgment Day, with that final judgment, with what we call the second advent. And uh one of the things that some scholars say this, I find this interesting myself, some scholars say that the whole mode of Water ritual that John the Baptist employed, meaning baptism, it was a full immersion, that that in the ancient Jewish mindset actually would have been a symbol of cataclysm and worldwide judgment. So that actually this whole uh, idea of immersing someone under water, uh, it was kind of like Noah's flood. Okay, and so they would have thought of it as almost like a little metaphor for judgment, for the final judgment. And this is what John the Baptist uh was speaking about. So what we see is very interesting that the baptism of repentance that he preached was uh, the metaphor that comes to my mind is an inoculation. Okay? It was to prepare people for the big judgment. It was like a little judgment to prepare people for the big judgment. Okay, so like an inoculation if you understand what that is, you basically introduce intravenously uh, I mean, I don't understand all the medicine 100%, but it's, you're basically introducing the virus or the disease into the person's body, but just in a little bit, just a little small amount. And then that way, the, the body can kind of build up a tolerance and an immunity to it so that when it's exposed to the big thing, it's got, it's able to withstand it. And so that's what John the Baptist was essentially doing. He was, he was giving a little judgment, okay, so that when the big judgment comes, the people who had received his message in his baptism would be ready for it. Okay, Uh, And we see that as well in our sacrament as well. It's very interesting from St. Peter, in our second reading, uh, he says this. He says, On Judgment Day the Lord uh, will come, the day the Lord will come like a thief, the heavens uh, will pass away with a mighty roar, and the elements will be dissolved by fire, and the earth and everything done on it will be found out. It's very interesting. Everything done on it will be found out. So on Judgment Day, there will be uh, uh, an exposure of all the good and evil that has been done by all human beings. It will become public and manifest. And uh, that's what we're doing in the Sacrament of Reconciliation. We're taking our, our, our bad deeds and our good as well, and we're exposing them. We're, we're letting them be found out. So, but it's a little, so it's a little precursor essentially of the big judgment day. It's like a little judgment ahead of the big judgment. It's like an inoculation. You're getting a little bit of that fearsome, fearful kind of experience and it's going to strengthen you so that you'll be immune to to the big one when it comes. So if you will, you know, travel with me in my imagination, uh, my meditation here. Meditate on, on the last, last judgment. And I think to myself, well, I'm probably going to be buried. I'm not going to live forever, that's for sure. Probably going to be buried. I'm going to die someday. and I'm going to be buried, uh, could be in Holy Sepulchre Cemetery in, in Rochester. There's a whole section for priests there. My parents are going to be buried there, so I, and they have a plot for me, so I don't know what I'm going to do. I might be with them. I might be with a priest. I might be buried, too, in one of the parishes that I minister to in Wayne County. I don't know. But in any event, I will die, and I will be buried and uh, many generations uh, will transpire after I die. But uh, they're not going to go on forever. Eventually, Christ is going to return. And, uh, and when he comes again, he's going to come back to earth the same way that he ascended into heaven. And that is basically in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. And My body, along with the bodies of billions of human beings, billions of human beings, all the human beings who have ever been conceived, who have ever lived, will be raised up and they'll be united with their souls and my soul and my body will be reunited and I will be brought to Jerusalem and I don't know exactly how that's going to take place. There's a lot of, you know, X factors and unknowns and all that. But I know from Scripture, and I know from uh, many hundreds of years of our own Catholic theological tradition reflection upon the Bible, that I will be brought to Jerusalem. And it's believed commonly that the judgment will take place in the Valley of Kidron, which is the valley between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. And... uh, There'll be billions of people there. They won't all be able to fit in the Valley of Kidron, but it will take place essentially in midair and thus will be fulfilled what St. Paul tells us in Thessalonians that uh, Christ will descend from heaven uh, with the cry of an archangel, with the sound of the trumpet, and the dead will be raised and they'll be caught up in the air. And uh, billions of people will be there, all human beings who've ever lived, And I'll be in their midst. And uh, in a moment, a judgment will take place. Maybe two moments, maybe three moments, not very long. But in that brief space of time, every single good deed and bad deed, good decision and bad decision I've made over the course of my short life will be made known, will be open and, and public to all human beings. And likewise, all of their good deeds and bad deeds will be made known and open and made public to me. So it'll be a public exposure of everybody's conscience. Um, and there is a, there's a kind of a, a discussion in our tradition about whether or not the sins that you've committed, that you confessed in the sacrament will, will be made public or not. Maybe those won't be made public, and so there's a little bit of a debate about that. Uh, but in any event, my moral life and my conscience will be exposed, as will everybody else's, and we'll have an understanding and a knowledge. We'll see the positive effects across generations of the things we've done in our lives and the effects that we've had on others. We'll see the negative effects, and the, and the, the negative effects of our acts of uh, commission and our acts of omission and neglect, and it will all be made manifest. And uh, so I now embrace on a regular basis the sacrament of reconciliation as an inoculation for that day. It's going to get it gets me ready for that day. Uh, I expose myself and my life and my my conscience uh, before a priest, and uh, it's a little bit scary. It's kind of like a doctor coming to you, you know, with a syringe, um, but it's way better than facing the real deal unprepared. And so I thank God above all for the sacrament of reconciliation. I embrace it as, as frequently as I can. Another analogy I like to give uh, about the sacrament of reconciliation is um, Charles Dickens' uh, The Christmas Carol. I don't know. I love that story. Charles Dickens. I listen to it every Christmas on an audiobook. And And um, what we see in this story is this guy is kind of a bad dude, you know, Ebenezer Scroo- Scrooge, and and he has this singular grace of God given to him. Uh, he's visited by the ghost of Christmas past and the ghost of Christmas present and the ghost of Christmas future. And uh, uh, it's kind of scary, right? It's like the doctor coming with you with your syringe. It's sort of scary at first. Uh, but it results in a great freedom and liberation and joy. He's able to look back at who he was and the, and the, the bad things that he did. He understands his presence, his present condition in light of that past and then he understands that if he continues going the way he's going this is what his future is going to be and no one shows up at his funeral and his debtors are really glad that he's dead and all this kind of stuff you know he just he sees himself as a totally worthless you know bad dude and and he wakes up the next morning and he has a whole new life he starts over completely so ironically, you know, kind of getting in this time travel machine of, of the ghost of Christmas, past, present and future and, and, and moving all around time, seeing the big picture and, and seeing his whole life from a kind of a God's point of view, God's eye point of view, he is given a new life and he starts fresh and he's joyful and he loves Christmas and he helps out Tiny Tim and all that kind of stuff or, you know, um, this, and this is a metaphor, I think, for, it's a good metaphor for the sacrament of reconciliation. It's like a time travel machine. We get to go back and look at our lives in the past and see where we are in truth presently. And also we, we visit the future as well. And hopefully this homily is a way for us to be in a kind of a time travel machine, visit the future, and, and allow us to have a new life and start a new, fresh, fresh um, life all over again. So I encourage us, my brothers and sisters, to make use of the Sacrament of Reconciliation, uh, which will be available for us all tomorrow in preparation for the coming of Christ uh, this Christmas Day.